Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. Rich Swabinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the last week in mortgage today, our weekly whirlwind through all the latest and greatest in the mortgage and real estate finance industry. And as I am every week, pleased to be joined by uh, some rotating co-hosts as some of the best and brightest uh, in our network nationally. This week, really pleased to be joined by two network favorites. Uh, first off, our good friend from Total Expert, Sue Woodard. Sue, what are you at the uh, Louvre there or something? It's, it's ex- yes, I'm at uh, um, actually at the Bellagio, which is oh. almost like being at the Louvre. And so, yeah, it's uh, pretty fancy here, but it's very interesting here at Tech. It's a uh, pretty good, pretty good attendance. And we can talk a little bit about that as we get going. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. You're an MBA tech. Very curious yes. to get uh, your take on the vibe there and yeah. uh, with the chatter in the hallway, the best way to learn what's really going on in the mortgage industry, Absolutely. right? So, exactly. Awesome. And our good friend, the Senior Vice President of Operations for People's Mortgage Corp, Katie Klaus. Katie, great to see you. Hi, good to see you. Have the autograph, autograph request died down after your uh, your smash hit performance in our debate session at uh, TMC Miami? I was going to say, I've been meeting with a campaign manager, so I'll be ready next time. I'll have, I'll be I was a little nervous ready. because that morning of the session, a couple people came up to me and said, hey, I was out really late with Katie Klaus last night. I'm like, oh, yep. man. The huge and and early on a boat. It was rough. <laughs> it, yeah, I made it, though. That was my priority, the debate. <laughs> well, you came out and killed it, and we've gotten a lot of positive comments about that session. And that uh, was a lot of fun for sure. It's a debate session at, at every TMC conference going forward now. So, yeah. good stuff. Well, Sue, thank you again for joining us. Our good friends at Total Expert, uh, longtime partners, marketing operating system that uh, so many of our members uh, are happy, happy clients of, and uh, you've imparted so much wisdom on the TMC Familia over the years. And uh, I'd love to get a little bit more of that wisdom. MBA tech, what uh, yes. what's going on at tech? What's the vibe in the hallways? Yeah. And It's cool. Out. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you just a couple little nuggets. It's just getting started. You know, we had the op- an opening reception last night, but the sessions are just getting started today, but pretty well attended. You know, I mean, it's definitely um, a lot of vendor partners here, and but there's some great, great executives and lenders here. And, um, you know, some of the themes that we're already hearing, there was a, a kind of a C-level um, opening session this morning was talking, you know, of course, about you know, what kind of innovation are we going to do right now with the market shifting? You know, everybody's looking at their technology stacks and kind of the the recurring themes um, that you're hearing is people really taking a good hard look at those tech stacks and saying, you know, how do we know that we're getting um, return out of this? But they really, what I appreciated, they talked a bit about um, not trying to necessarily get a dollar number in ROI. You know, I mean, one of the comments made was that, you know, we have all kinds of investments that they're building our customer base, period. And so we know that there's going to be ROI. We can't necessarily look at it and say, okay, it's X dollars per X that we're doing. But he's, you know, his his point really was talking about that if you don't have customers, you don't have business and kind of your expenses don't matter at that point. Um, So some interesting things being talked about there. Um, People are talking about scalability. I think the other 
I would say just two real quick big themes that I'm hearing people talk a lot about, not just at this conference, but I heard it come up at TMC as well, is really looking at how do we continue to automate? And it's not about removing the human from it, but empowering the human to do what the human does best. But how can we take some of these mundane things that people are still doing? Um, There was a, a comment made that we kind of removed the paper from the process, but we didn't remove the the kind of the paperwork, so to speak. Now it's just being done, dig, you know, kind of digitally or with people. It's not paper, but we still haven't really um, made the process easier. I would say. Um, so that's that's been a you know real big theme here, and then it's just about adoption is the other huge thing that that we hear lenders talk about all the time is how do we make sure that we're we're ensuring that we are adopting and using the best practices and you know certainly at Total Expert that's a, a topic that comes up a lot that has been heavily invested in, um, and I encourage lenders so people that are listening don't throw out a technology solution just because you're looking at it saying hey our adoption hasn't been high or engagement hasn't been high over the last two years, you know people were standing in a money machine for the last two years. Now is the time to really double down with those vendor partners and say, Hey, how can we really get, um, how, how do we get hands on? How do we get more out of the investment that we've made in you? So, so I'll, it'll, it'll be some more interesting topics to be sure, but those are coming the headlines that we heard this morning. Good stuff. A lot of good stuff there. And Katie, before we get into the news, uh, a big topic that is just a recurring one, just uh, hearing our members talk is, what Sue touched on and just tech in general, like ROI and tech and adoption of tech and run mortgage operations for very large independent mortgage bank. It does business all over. But yeah, just love to get your perspective on, on that uh, before we get into the news headlines and um, you know, kind of what Sue talked about there. Yeah. I mean, we use total expert and I think we just signed something to kind of use different features to her point that we didn't have time to implement before now people are looking for edges to get ahead. And so we're going to you know, pick up some of their newer technology and see what we can do with it. It's also a good time to implement and tweak the things that you have in place. Because again, you have the time to do that. So what do you have and what are some of the things that you're not using that you could be using or how do you apply it you know, within your LOS or how can you have you know, your systems talk to each other to make it easier? It is a funny point though. You're right. Like you don't get rid of what you have to do. It's just now all being done, um, you know, electronically, but some of it is automated. So you're not, it's not such a manual process, but yeah, yeah, we're looking at things that we can just um, implement because we have the time to do so, but they're also very aware of costs. And so I do think it's going to be hard to get your upper managers, owners present, like people to, you know, some of these some of these things we've looked at, the cost has really put the brakes on, and I don't think it necessarily should, but they, you do have to have some kind of ROI to move forward with it. Absolutely. So, yeah. Right on. You got to pick the right partners, though. I mean, we have a great tech stack, so um, it is important to get ahead, especially today. I will tell you that the question was asked from the stage, how many of you in the room absolutely love your tech stack and it's working great for you. Zero hands went up, right? Wow. And then, it was, yeah. you know, then it was like, how many of you are somewhat satisfied with your tech stack? And then there was like some yeah. hands, but you know, obviously there's, there's a, it's a, and that's the great responsibility on, on the vendor partner side is, you know, con- consistently upping the game um, to be able to serve the industry. Right. Yeah. It's weird. The tech is still evolving in a lot of cases, some areas more than others. And then, you know, like you guys said, the last two years have been so busy that it's been tough to adopt anything new. So um, it's you got lenders right now really taking a look at their, their business, their business model, their tech partners, and uh, interesting time for the industry and an interesting time for 
America and the American economy in general, getting into the news here, uh, big report this morning, a lot of people were waiting on, the latest inflation inflation data, a consumer price index data got released this morning at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. The markets were really expecting a horrifically bad number here. Uh, Biden administration went out yesterday to kind of like prep the markets like it's going to be bad tomorrow. (laughs) Typically when the presidential administration is doing that, I know like, you know, overnight futures of stocks were just getting pummeled. But we got the actual report this morning and, you know, the headlines that most of you saw was inflation up eight and a half percent year over year. But you look a little deeper inside the number and you look at the month to month data, March, February to March, it overall up 1.2%, which matched expectations. Uh, but then the probably more looked at core CPI number, which you strip out very volatile energy and food data. Uh, it was only a 0.3% amidst expectations of a 0.6% increase. So we actually saw stocks and bonds rallying this morning off inflation data that showed inflation was up eight and a half percent year over year sign of the times in America. But we got a little rate relief this morning. I mean, it's, you know, the, the rate situation in general, Sue, you guys are a marketing operating system. So, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of what you do is fueling off interest rates. Our, in, our, our industry fuels off interest rates to a large degree. And right now, interest rates are fueling off what's going on with inflation. It's just kind of a roller coaster right now. But Looking, there were some signs of optimism this morning that things could be slowing down a little bit, God willing, because uh, it's I'm, I'm just sick of hearing and reading about inflation. It's been a year of this. Well, it goes to show you, by the way, that um, the psychology of the markets, right, is that, you know, people, it, it's it's fascinating to me. I mean, I've been a student of the markets for a very long time, and I, I just find it fascinating to your very good point when expectations are this and it turns into something a little bit different, there's like elation that it's like, it's terrible, but it's not as terrible as we thought. And, you know, and the fact that people get, you know, very quickly, it's not like anybody's used to these gas prices, but it's not the same like shock effect that it, that it was right now. It's kind of like, well, it it just goes to show you people kind of get used to what is for better or for worse. But, uh, um, it is interesting, you know, I mean, obviously the rate climate, you know, we're, as you said, a very rate, um, rate sensitive uh, business, and that's caught driving all of the change. But I don't know, Katie, how are how are you all like looking at this with some of the changes in interest rates? Yeah, I mean, um, first of all, I, when it says like the, the highest inflation since 1981, like I never want to hear about anything that happened before I was even on the earth because it's scary. And that reference like a 20%, in, you know, 20% interest rate in the 80s or whatever to combat this. And it's like hearing that is, is very, very scary. Um, but yeah, I mean, rates still aren't that bad. It's just people are so used to the lower rates. My bigger concern just because I'm not in sales and my bigger concern has always been, and it's been for the last few years, is how inflation doesn't even just affect rates, but inflation and the cost of goods affects our low to moderate income borrowers. And so if they can't save money because they're paying these higher prices elsewhere, it doesn't just affect them in the rate of their mortgage. It also affects in their ability to have a down payment. And so it's kind of a double whammy. Um, and the fact that, you know, rates are going up and down, but they are higher than they've ever been. So people are pulling back because they want a 2% interest rate that they're never going to see again, or not possibly for a very long time. And then they also can't save as much money to buy a house. So it's just 
it's been a rough couple of months and it's going to be scary, you know, going into the the rest of the year because they're going to be, you know, raising rates, they're saying several more times um, this year and into 2023. And so what does that do um, for our borrowers and for our low to moderate income borrowers, especially? It's a great point. Very challenging general climate right now. First time home buyers and uh, median to below median income earners just trying to buy a home in America right now. A lot of impediments to it. And yeah, to your point, Kitty, it's not just the interest rate and the price of the house. If you can find one, it's the fact that I DoorDash Chick-fil-A last night it was $110 for <laughs> yeah. my kids and like four or five people. Like what the hell is going on here? It's really yeah. Crazy. yeah. So um, speaking of crazy, some other news that broke just today, uh, CFPB, uh, much more aggressive CFPB, certainly in these last six months, uh, announced uh, that they're filing a lawsuit against TransUnion, some really aggressive uh, rhetoric in the press release that they (laughs) released announcing the lawsuit, which not always typical there, Um, just, you know, going out of their way to just sling some arrows for sure at TransUnion for uh, what they are, uh, what they view as unlawful practices in in order to generate profits. In a nutshell, everybody's entitled to a free credit report per year at freecreditreport.com. You go there, those come through TransUnion, uh, CFPB alleging the TransUnion with some deceptive practices to lure those free credit report people into products and that it was tough to get out of them. But Katie, I'll go back to you on this one. Just again, as the, the head of ops for a large independent mortgage bank, uh, you, you're waking up at night with Rohit Chopra nightmares yet? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I have been in this, I feel is they're, you know, the director's really gonna, this is going to be the big thing that they're going to come out with and go after TransUnion. Like we were talking before the call about just like the language in here and it's, you know, like reprimanding a child and, you know, just the the language about the digital dark patterns and, you know, UDAP and it's it's very Star Wars-y. And, but I mean, if what they're saying in the order is true, that's a big deal. You can't just totally ignore the CFPB. Um, one of the interesting things too, is it was like 17, I think, is when they got that executive order and they were kind of working through it during the other CFPB where, you know, they weren't really using enforcement and they kind of weren't really doing anything under the Trump administration. And so now I don't know if they thought it was okay to continue doing it, but it certainly isn't. And I think they're going to make an example out of uh, TransUnion, unfortunately. Um, And so we're going to go back to having to, they're going to uh, do it through enforcement instead of through learning. And I was in compliance during those timeframes and it is not a fun place to be because most people like we want to do things, you know, we want to be compliant. We care about the consumer. Um, and so it's unfortunate that if what they're alleging TransUnion had done, which is just totally ignore their previous enforcement action, that is a big deal, but that's not how the rest of us want to do it. And we would like to work with a, an agency that works with us as opposed to just brings down the hammer anytime they find something that they, and UDAP's a very arbitrary thing anyways. It's, you know, open to interpretation what they find to be deceptive. Um, And so if we're going to go back to that, you know, yeah, I am going to wake up in the middle of the night sweating because you never know if you're going to be the next one. So you're hoping to do things right. And that's all you can do is do your best. And, uh, you know, I, I feel for TransUnion right now. Yeah. I, you know what? 
I wish the CFPB would go after like cable companies, cell phone <laughs> companies. Like when I think about like what what really impacts like your your common person out there, it's like I feel like I've been so ripped off by either cable companies or my cell phone companies. But yet, you know, yet there's these other things that they're going after that I, I do. I, I mean, I honestly wonder how many how many people are were so adversely impacted by this versus the extra, like, I don't even know, thousands of dollars we pay on that other stuff. I mean, shouldn't that be under their, their purvey? But, you know, yeah, to your yeah. point, they, uh, they love to make somebody a, a poster child in the worst possible ways. I do think they said they had, like, it was like 150,000 complaints. So it was a substantial amount of people who complained about it. More but yes. Like yeah. Much as I like to poke fun at uh, Mr. Chopra, I, I say all the time, like, is it, running an organization of small to medium sized mortgage lenders mostly like we need a strong CFPB we really do and uh especially with another report that came out this morning top 50 lenders in America gained market share they did i don't know it was like 77% of the loans in 2020 82% last year so you know it's more important than ever to protect people to your point Katie and Sue that do it right it just seems like the CFPB pendulum it can never stay in the middle like yeah, you know, like I, I think a lot of the things that under Trump, the CFPB was just a shadow organization that was there. I don't even know what they were doing, to be honest with you. And now you have somebody in there that's really looking out for the consumer, but they're going after pretty aggressively. Made some statements last week about going after the big bank uh, operating system providers. And uh, again, the rhetoric, as Katie mentioned in this morning's uh, press release on the lawsuit was was pretty was pretty uh, strong. So, but Sue, another thing that I, the, the change in the compliance climate that has caused our members to start talking about it, you know, people think compliance, it's okay, it's fair lending, it's, you know, fraud, it's operational stuff that Katie's losing sleep over, but it's also on the marketing side as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the way you're marketing to customers, things you're saying, things you can't say, how you're marketing to people. Totally. And I know that Total Expert, that's one of the reasons you guys have really gained a lot of adoption within our network is yeah. manages the compliance of all your marketing efforts for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's, that is one of the biggest things. And it's, it's interesting when you think about the fact that it hasn't um, they haven't cracked down as much, you, you haven't seen as much of that on, on some of the marketing things, but I think, you know, there's some good signals that that's, that's coming and it, and it should, you shouldn't have these, <laughs> these rules out there that truly are there to protect the customer and not actually um, be actioning on them and enforcing on them. And so, so yeah, that's one of the huge selling points of total expert right from the start. Um, we worked with Mitch Kider, Wiener Brodsky, who I think most people know, um, just, you know, great, great compliance um, attorney. And, you know, really, we're able to put things together in a way where it, it literally does, you know, make all of the, the, uh, you know, your marketing actions, we're not going to tell you what compliance is, but we're delivering a system that actually makes it possible to be compliant. And especially with the co-branded marketing, as people are getting back into, you know, having the time to be working with those real estate agents, digging back into being really good um, partners with the real estate agents out there. I mean, now is the time to to really make sure you're delivering all that value, but you've got to do it compliantly. And uh, yeah, Total Expert is, is set up to do that perfectly. And it's a huge competitive advantage. You got a lot of yeah, LOs me, out there that, you know, some some brand new fancy cars from the last couple of years, they got to make those payments on. So this is the really dangerous sales compliance type of climate right now. Well, yeah, and people don't know, right? I mean, and, and Katie, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. But I mean, I, I think there literally are, this was a market over the last couple of years. There's people that 
got in or they're sloppy and nobody's looking at things. It's like, you know, things are, things are going to tighten up. So I don't know. Yeah. And I was just going to make the, the the point of a lot of the tech companies that are getting into the mortgage space don't understand mortgages and they don't understand compliance. And I've had countless conversations with companies where I'm like, you have to understand, like I need X, Y, and Z, because if I don't do that, a regulator comes in here and, yep. and you know, puts the hammer down. You have to figure out how to support that for me. And so yep. te- tech companies that understand a mortgage, the actual mortgage space, um, that's a big advantage in my mind. Cause some of them, they don't, they're, they want to be tech companies and it's like, well, you still have to be able to work within the industry that you're selling your product and yep. mortgage is a highly regulated, um, industry and they have to understand compliance in order, you know, to be a good partnership yep. and, and total expert does. And marketing is, is a huge thing that people look at. And it's also very easy because like, well, our Arizona regulator just will Google our loan officers names and go through their marketing and their social media, like that, they literally, that's part of their audit. And so it's not just on us, it's on the loan officers as well. And marketing is a big part of that. That's right. So, yeah. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative this week, joined by our good friend, Sue Woodard from Total Expert, Katie Glaus from People's Mortgage Corp. Uh, some other good news, we've been so much, a lot of bad news, really. I hate to say it on this show and the other ones we do, just it's been a weird climate the last six months, but some signs of optimism, the inflation report this morning uh, being not not as bad as, as most feared. Uh, and then we also got some data over the course of the last week uh, just related to hopefully a better inventory situation as we get into the, the real heart of spring buying season in the summer. Uh, Redfin reported that 12% of homes listed in the most recent week, they tracked had a price drop. It's a good sign. That's up like 4% from the week prior. Uh, also, Realtor.com, always got to take this a little bit with the grain of salt because it could be somewhat self-serving, but uh, released the re- uh, the results of a survey that basically said 67% of what they classify as prospective home sellers were planning to list their homes by the end of summer. And there have been some other reports as well that seem to indicate that prices could be coming down a hair or at least stopping the ascent and that you could see some more homes put on the market. We're kind of working with a low bar right here, right now, Sue, but uh, it seems like there's some optimism brewing that that some of these things that have kind of been ailing the mortgage market could be getting better and, and on the purchase side particularly. I agree. I mean, just a couple of thoughts on that is that I think um, I wouldn't say that prices are, you know, prices are dropping, but I think people are getting crazy. Also, they're like, I'm going to list my house for like a trillion dollars more than I bought it for a year ago and see what happens. I mean, you know, and I think there is kind of some normalization of people being like, okay, rates are going up, you know, like we need to actually, if we want our house to sell, we need to, you know, norm. So I'm not surprised to see a little bit of the the decline in, in what people were offering things for, but um, but I do hope, you know, as you said, the inventory uh, situation has been has been huge. Um, I, I would recommend for the lenders listening that this is a very big cue to reach out to your past database early and often, because if they're starting to think about it, they call a realtor first. If it's not your realtor, you know, that somebody in your database could be walking out the door based on an, a different recommendation that realtor would make. So I think it's a really, really important time to stay very close to that past customer database um, at your servicing book as well. You know, there could be people in there, but it's a really important time to make sure that you're being very proactive and talking to them about if you're thinking about selling, hey, get in touch, let's work through this. I can make a recommendation for you. Um, Cause I think on our side, we don't necessarily want them to get to the realtor first. 
Katie, you're our, our official correspondent from what we like to joke is the, the epicenter of the potential housing bubble out in the uh, Phoenix Scottsdale area. Have you guys seen any, I mean, price relief? I, I think the last time you were on, I told you my mom was looking at buying a house out there and she flew out there for like three or four days and just came back home and said like, yeah, there's no way. It's, it's insane. So Yeah, it definitely depends on where you're looking and what your price point is. Um, like, I think the luxury market is still pretty crazy in Scottsdale. I heard, I heard a story from a friend whose parents, you know, went in way over offer and they got outbid by a ridiculous amount. Um, but there it's, it depends. So some areas I think you are seeing a loosening up or, you know, if there's some inventory opening up, um, in Scottsdale, there's really nowhere to move to. And most people don't want to leave the area. So those kinds of areas, the home, the, the market is still, out of control. Um, and even if it's come down, it's so minor that it, it really doesn't make it a, that big of a difference. Um, One of the good things about like interest rates and, and home values just exploding like through the roof. It's all anybody could talk about. It's on the front page of any business news website. I, I, the byproduct of that is if we do get a little relief and we, and we end up back at, you know, four and a quarter, 30 year fixed and uh, home values stop rising. I feel like there's so much demand out there, Sue, from people that want to buy houses that yeah. for a bunch of reasons they can't. And if we could get a little relief, which I think is very realistic based on some things that are starting to happen in the economy, it could lead to a big surge in purchase activity. I totally agree with you. I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of pent up demand. And, uh, you know, one of the more fascinating sessions I thought at TMC was listening to um the president of the National Association of Home Builders, where he was talking about, you know, some of the challenges with new construction and some of the things that were, um, you know, causing some of the glut from his standpoint. But I completely agree with you. I think as we start to see not depreciation, but a deceleration of the appreciation rates that we're seeing, um, you know, there's a there's also a lot of people who are wanting to get their money out of the market. I mean, I think because there's been so much. Um, just so much volatility and uncertainty. I think people are feeling like that's why people are in one of the reasons people are paying over market. <laughs> They're saying, I want to get my money out of, out of stocks. I want to put it into a real estate asset. Um, people are buying investment properties and second homes at, you know, very high rates. People are making these, you know, crazy cash offers. I mean, that's the thing, Katie, I'd love to hear what's happening, you know, for you all as you're seeing the refinances that are coming in some cases are just kind of the, the follow-up to the, the cash purchase that's been made. Right. Yeah. Uh, and we're seeing some of the price hits that they've put in, you know, like it's, it feels impossible to do a second home now because of the, you know, the price hits that Fannie has. Um, I would hope that those would have an impact to slow down the second home and investment buying. I would, I wouldn't want people to take their, their money out of the market and buy houses because we need them for the first time home buyers. And those investors have been a problem, particularly in um, the Phoenix metro area, because there are so many like VRBOs or investment properties, um, that if you could get rid of some of those properties, it would free up a lot of inventory for first-time homebuyers. Um, and I would love to see that happen. Um, yeah. And then uh, like affordable housing, like I said, there's just not enough going into that and new builds because of the, the, the backlog of all the you know, construction products, and even those of those of our clients who are buying new homes, with the the raising rate market, they were locked in, and their house is three months, you know, behind, and um, and so now their rate locks expiring, and how do we deal with that? There's there's been 
a lot of issues as far as that. Although we are coming up with some, this is kind of off, to- off topic, but we are trying to come up with a lot of tools for our loan officers to help kind of combat some of that with like an extended rate lock program so that they can yeah. shop yep. or going straight to underwriting an accelerator program. Like we're trying to come up with ways to combat the rising rate market and also help some of these people take the time to find homes in the hopes that the values are coming down and they can now right. afford something but still have an interest rate locked in in case it goes up as high as they're, they're anticipating. Right. I don't know that we'll see a bubble. Burst no, I don't think there's I mean, enough inventory. Yeah. For a bubble. Yet. Yeah. I, yeah. I totally agree. And, you know, you think, but we've also had better, you know, we've had better underwriting guidelines, you know, and kind of more responsible buyer behavior as well. I mean, I remember yeah. those days, you know, where you had the teacher making 30 grand buying the half million dollar property just because right. it's like, Whoa, you know, and we have less mortgages on, uh, on uh, adjustable rates. I mean, I think the numbers are something like in the early 2000s, 2005, something like 40% of loans were on adjustable rates. Now I think it's like 1%. Like It's coming back though. There, that is one oh, thing yeah, that I've bet. seen come back and that's a little scary. Yeah. Because arms are very reminiscent of right before the crash and we're yes. starting to see them come out. Um, but there is equity in a lot of people's homes. So it's a little bit different, but yeah, that's that is one of the reoccurrences we're seeing is the R yeah. loan for sure. It's a great point. Twenty six yeah. trillion in uh, in gross equity right now, which you know again leads you to believe we're not going to have a bubble. But right, you know, that's, I don't know. That's the thing that makes it different this time. There's so much equity in these homes. Even if you had a massive correction, it wouldn't be like oh wait, people were just walking away from homes that were they had loans that were a hundred thousand dollars more than what the value was worth and. Right. So, but, uh, and good point. It's good to see people though, doing tactical things, extended rate. Anybody didn't read Rob Crisman's uh, newsletter this morning. The piece on extended rate locks was spot on. It's like, you got to scroll down to the nerdy capital market section that uh, many don't make it to. I must, I wanted to mention it because it, it, it does just a great job explaining the extended rate lock and um, you know, both sides of it, like what, what makes it challenging for lenders and, and yeah, obviously the benefits of it, but uh Good stuff. Uh, last piece of news I wanted to touch on Fannie Mae in the news this week. A uh, couple people left their CEO, their chairman of the board. We've kind of been seeing that just being under conservatorship for a long time. Uh, price caps and salary caps, other things that go along with that, causing some of their top people to leave. But more notably, they announced that they were going to allow a title insurance alternative uh, on loans. Uh, an attorney opinion letter, just talking to some of our members last couple of days. Four or $500 savings and closing costs for lenders. Katie, going back to your point, uh, just about the challenges of first-time home buyers. every little bit helps, right? I don't know if waiving title insurance with an opinion letter is would be my way to save money, but yes. <laughs> I mean, I think I was reading about it and I, I, I this, this is crazy. The other, the other thing is the limited circumstances where you can allow it. I read their release like three or four times and don't see what a limited circumstance would be like, what is that? What, what, what can you qualify under? So I don't know if I missed it. If you guys know, let me know. But I was talking this morning and just uh, from a lender perspective, I don't know who's going to close that without title insurance. And from an attorney perspective, if you're an attorney, you better have a lot of confidence in your, in your title skills to, to write some kind of letter. Um, Cause if you miss anything and it blows up then who's paying for it. Um, and attorney fees are real high. So I would actually like to see what the cost of title insurance versus having an attorney do all of these title searches and what if they're billing you by the hour, then what would the actual cost savings be? 
it's a very interesting mm-hmm. thing that I know Radian tried to roll out previously. It didn't work. I know Iowa has like a guarantee, so they have it, but it's you know sponsored by the state. So it's a little bit different. It's just not some random attorney who's written an opinion letter of some searches that he did and saying you have, you're good to go. It, I, I think it's crazy. From a lender perspective, I think it's totally what? crazy. I got to ask you a question, Katie, as a lender. No, you know, I was on the lending side, but it's it's been a couple minutes, you know, since those days. But how often do title insurance, I mean, how often are claims actually made in somebody's title insurance policy? Because I can say in my years, my 31st year in lending, I've literally never heard of one. There, it's very few. So you make a very good point. Like it's very few and far between, but if anything does come up or if it did come up, it's just so costly to, to get anything fixed. You know, if there's any kind of lien on the property that they didn't disclose, or there's any kind of easement or, you know, property dispute, those things are incredibly costly. And so who's paying for that? The attorneys, you know, insurance, I guess, I don't know. There's a lot of questions I have, but yeah, I mean, you make a good point. My, my other concern is this is clearly designed to your point, Rich, for a low to moderate income borrower who wants to save money in closing costs. Those are the properties that are normally distressed, older, uh, you know, been around for a long time that you find some kind of lien that was on the property in 1967 that pops up when the guy goes to sell it five years later. Like, so that would be another one of my concerns is if you're going to, it's a different if you have a clean, clear title on a brand new bill that was just surveyed or whatever, but like these properties that a lot of the first time homebuyers are buying that's where you pop up all these weird, you know, land related issues um, that you have to work through yeah. in, the, in the title insurance before you even close sometimes. So, yeah. Isn't that one of the cases to be made, Rich? You might know about this, like the blockchain. Like, I mean, oh, absolutely. That, right? I, I mean, I've seen it forever. The blockchain technology works absolutely perfect for the real estate finance industry. Now, you know, five years, I remember doing a panel at our conference five years ago where we had some blockchain experts and said it would be three years and it's been five since then. <laughs> so, but there's a couple of lenders that are starting to get involved in it. Yeah. You know, you're going to see the federal government that is going to figure out how to regulate cryptocurrency and uh, the blockchain in general. Um, and then I think you're going to see Fannie and Freddie will start to take crypto related assets uh, in terms of qualification. And then I think You'll probably start to see some momentum once that stuff happens. That stuff will probably take a year, would be my guess. But it does work perfect. It really does. I mean, it it it, it eliminates really the need for title insurance, and it, it it every single piece and part of the real estate finance transaction is on a secure. It just eliminates a lot of cybersecurity concerns and, and other things as well. So, but. Good stuff. Well, Sue, Katie, always enjoy uh, talking through our crazy industry with the two of you. And uh, as usual, both failed to disappoint. So thank you very much, Sue and uh, Katie, for joining us this week. I thought I did yeah. think we were going to cover um, Will Smith. I mean, that's not going to you're not even going to talk about it or was that on a prior? <laughs> I, you know, it, it's I still am in disbelief what happened there. I, on my show with Rob, he said, uh, well, he hit the right rock, you know, like we would have hit the other rock, you know, like the, the big muscular rock, uh, but that was, I still can't believe that I, you know, my teenagers all think Chris rock is cool now. I, you know, so I think Chris rock won, he won the, the social part of it. So yeah. all staged. 
All staged. That's yeah, why. If there was ever an event that needed staged. that kind of uh, needed that kind of notoriety and news, it's uh, the Grammys. Because you know, totally. I yeah, I, I think really Katie's is. spot on. I really yep. do. So Chris Rock's cool. Will Smith's memoir selling out. All staged. exactly. Every I watched. I was flying in yesterday and on Delta. Literally, like I could see everybody watching Will Smith movies, and I'm like this. I, I totally agree with you. Hashtag no, no publicity is bad publicity yeah. or whatever the saying yeah, is. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. let them know that here at the event. Maybe we can like pull something off like, a, you yeah. know, really up a notch and, uh, <laughs> you know, get Julian Hebron, you know, a little something going on. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> you can smack John Hill in front of everybody and then it'll go viral. Total extra, yeah. total expert will be all over the news. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really quick, Rich, I know we got to sign off, but, uh, we could, we could do it right here. Like, um, <laughs> get him here you go do it right there yeah there it is two of my favorite people and rich how you doing <laughs> listen i wouldn't like you either if michigan had the track record they've had against ohio state over the years so <laughs> have a good day everybody all right guys sue katie thanks as always to our listeners thanks as always for taking 30 minutes out of the week with us we're here every tuesday at 2 p.m eastern with the last week in mortgage today until next week have a great rest of the week everyone take care Bye. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.